Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Replacement Level Podcast. Today we are joined by CEO, creator, genius, writer, um, founding father of Pacific Northwest Sports, Ed Stein. Uh, I've known Ed for a couple years now. He actually got me into this writing business here, um, but so I can't thank him enough for getting me introduced or getting me started in this arena. But Ed, welcome to the show. Hey Chris, glad to be here. Glad to glad to work with you, and uh, you did it all yourself, man. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you. So, um, so Ed, a little background on Ed. He used to cover the Yankees um, for a while, uh, and then you basically started your own thing with Pacific Northwest Sports, right? Uh, actually, I was uh, I had uh, started with the Ducks, the Anaheim Ducks, actually. Okay. Okay. And then, 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 um, then I worked for somebody else that had a Seattle area site, and then I went to New York. And I'm like, my wife's like, why are you doing this for somebody else? Do it for yourself. So I'm doing it for myself. Same way you're doing it for yourself. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so correct me. So Pacific Northwest Sports, they they are now in their third year. Is that right? Do I have it? Yep. Okay. Yep. We've and had. Well, uh, yeah. We've had a. Uh, one and a half million page views in, nice. in three years. Yeah. Very, very nice. And so share, share, like, share with the audience here a little more about what what they cover. I mean, obviously Pacific Northwest Sports kind of got an idea of it, but you know, tell us, tell us more about it. Okay. Well, we cover the Pacific Northwest professional and college teams for the most part. We've got the Mariners, which we'll talk about in a little bit, obviously. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks, the Seattle Kraken, and since there is no Sonics, we cover the Portland Trailblazers, University of Washington, and Washington State, and Gonzaga basketball, or Gonzaga oh. basketball. Yeah, go dogs, right? Go dogs. <laughs> they're the so, funnest team to cover out of everybody. Are they really? Yeah, they're a lot of fun to cover. Okay, right. I know they don't get a lot of publicity, um, just because they're tucked away in the northwest corner. They're a little bit smaller of a school, but. You know, Mark Few's definitely got them on the right course to being a more recognizable name um, household-wide and everything like that. And they've had some really good tournament runs. Um, you know, I'm a fan of North Carolina, so it was kind of great to watch them beat Gonzaga. But on the flip side, is like, you know, Gonzaga could really use a championship, especially with Mark Few to kind of solidify that program and obviously help them get some bigger recruits. But even still, you know, getting Jalen Suggs, getting Jet Holmgren, or Chet Holmgren, you know, back-to-back years of having two players in the top five. Holmgren, obviously, uh, the higher higher player, but um, you know, they've they're starting to crack out some really solid NBA talent. Like Andrew Nimhart is a guy that doesn't get a lot of attention. Obviously, I follow him because I you know Pacers fan here, but um, really love the dude. But you know, they they are starting to I would say really ascend and. I think there's some more legitimacy of their conversation being a traditional blue blood. Granted, they haven't won a title, and that's kind of a prerequisite, but they are on the right path. Enough to draw interest from the Big 12. There you go. There you go. That would be cool for them to go there. I'd be very interested to see how well they can handle uh, Best basketball conference in the country then. Baylor, Kansas, Kansas State. I mean, that'd be the best basketball conference ever. And, and, and I'm a, I used to be a Tar Heel guy too, Chris. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I'm sorry you left. You know, I'm sure we'll <laughs> welcome you back when you want to uh, 
get right and everything. But um, so moving over to baseball, uh, you know, you talked about you used to cover the Yankees, and we have to talk briefly here about Domingo Herman and his perfect game last night. Um, for those who play fantasy baseball, know that Herman has been kind of a struggling, unreliable pitcher over his last handful of starts. Prior to that, he was looking really good. Um, and those who don't play fantasy baseball, but our Yankees fans know that all too well, and those who follow baseball, I'm sure are also aware of it. But was that one of the most unexpected perfect games thrown? Oh, absolutely. Well, first of all, any any perfect game is unexpected. It just doesn't happen that Fair. much. Fair. It's more of a surprise that he actually went nine innings. <laughs> that's <laughs> true. Than, than anything else, I, that's that, I didn't think he. When was the last time he pitched that deep into a game? But hey, when you yeah. when you're humming, you're humming. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, with respect, it did come against the Oakland A's, who are probably going to go down as the worst baseball team, or at least have the worst baseball season in Major League Baseball history. Um, but still, to be able to go out and execute it for nine innings, that's no easy feat whatsoever. So, you know, hats off to him. And it's the first perfect game since our, our you know, Seattle Mariners' very own King Felix Hernandez, which is kind of crazy to think about because that was – how many years ago was that now? At least, what, eight, nine years? Yeah, crazy to think about that. It's been that long since the last time we've seen a, a perfect game. Um, but all, you know, always fun to see that happen. Um, but, you know, kind of unsurprising that Domingo Herman of all all the pitchers right now going to Major League Baseball is Unbelievable. the guy. Yeah. Yeah. But, all right, so we got to talk baseball here. Uh, All-Star break is right around the corner here. Um, uh-huh. It's being back in, you know, the Pacific Northwest here for the first time since, I believe, 2000. Um, it's great to see it back there, you know, now T-Mobile Park. Last time I was there was Safeco Park. So we've got Futures games. We've got Celebrity Softball games. We've got Home Run Derby. We've got it all going down in Seattle, which is great to see. Great to have them back there. But um, let's first start with the Home Run Derby. You know, Julio Rodriguez is going to participate how how are we liking his chances? You know, it's interesting. He he did great last year. Uh, it's gearing up for that whole thing. I it's it's almost like the shootout in hockey, pretty much where the whole game is one thing, but the shootout is completely different. Well, the right. home run derby is completely different. You need a different swing, a different approach, uh, and amazing amount amazing amounts of stamina. I mean, yes. just just think about it. You're hacking as hard as you can up there for what twenty at bats or twenty swings or whatever, and mm-hmm. you've still got to pop it three hundred, four hundred feet. Uh, so, I mean, the kid's in good shape. He's got as good a chance as anybody. Yeah, yeah. I haven't quite seen all of the the participants this year. Uh, I would imagine Pete Alonso is going to be back in it um, as long as he's feeling in good health and everything like that. Um, and you know Juan Soto, he's the reigning champion, right? Am I remembering that right? He knocked off uh, the last so. year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I gotta figure he's gonna come back as well. Um, but it, it's always a fun event. I will save all the um, major sports in basketball, football, hockey, baseball. I'd say the home run derby is probably the one thing that you know they've had some changes to it to help 
keep it entertaining, but it's still one of the best ones that's out there, um, you know, year in and year out. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. The dunk contest, in my opinion, was great, but they've, I don't know, got like too gimmicky now, and I, I don't care to watch it. I'm actually more intrigued by the three-point contest than, than the dunk contest in the NBA. But, um, yeah, it'll be fun to see Julio back out there. You know, all-star festivities are going on. Something pretty cool. A lot of former Mariners players and greats are going to be coaching in the Futures game. Um, you know, we've got manager Harold Reynolds. We've got pitching coach Jamie Moyer, bullpen coach Max Wiener, uh, bench coach Dave Vale, hitting coach Alvin Davis, first base coach Jay Buner, and third base coach Mike Cameron. Now, Ed, I did see your article at Pacific Northwest Sports. You wrote on it, but you know, tell tell everybody here more about that. Well, I think it's pretty cool, actually. Uh, so what they did was and. You know, there's not a you know the futures game. Either you're looking, either you're looking at up and coming players, or it's just you know a day off on the schedule for you for for general baseball fans. But uh, you pretty much when you pretty much uh, said the American League coaching staff on the other side in the National League, you got Ra- Ra- Raul Abanez is going to manage the team. He's got mm-hmm. King Felix Hernandez as his pitching coach. Joel Pinheiro, Adrian Beltre. Uh, hitting coach is Jeremy Reed, and the base coaches are uh, Randy Wynn and Dan Wilson. So, something for the local, something for the local fans to uh, to get involved in. Aside from uh, obviously having two great young players playing in the game, Jonathan Clays and uh, Harry Ford. Yeah, yeah, it's great to see them in there. Um, who are you more interested to see in between those two? Oh, Harry Ford, definitely yeah. Harry Ford. Uh, he, he's a young, he's still, I think 20 or 21 years old. Uh, mm-hmm. we don't know where he's going to, why he's catching now, but we don't know where he's going to want. It's going to kind of be like a Bryce Harper situation. Uh, yeah. you don't want that wear and tear on his knees, but he started showing something at the world baseball classic for team, uh, England. And yeah. I'd like to see how he does against, uh, against some of the up and comers of, uh, or his peers, uh, in the in the futures game, I think that it's he's going to be interesting to watch. Clay is a speed demon. He is one yeah. fast man, uh, <laughs> and in a game that's trying to go back to speed, he could actually uh, he could actually make it a little bit of a name for himself in this one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it is fun to see that the baseballs turned back the clock a bit in you know helping more advantageous for stealing bases out there. Um, do you think Clays is going to get a shot at a call-up this season at all, or do you think that's probably next year? They'd have to add him to the 40-man roster, so probably next year. Okay. Unless, right. when we get to it later, uh, okay. we'll, we'll probably get to it later, unless the Mariners, you know, open up some space. True, true. And we'll just, you know, we'll segue right into that. Trade deadline is getting closer. Um Mariners had high hopes this season after breaking their 21-year playoff drought last year. They made some big signings last year, mainly just extending uh, Luis Castillo and Julio Rodriguez. But, you know, they did go out and get Teoscar Hernandez, Colton Wong. Those guys were supposed to help this team get back to the playoffs again and hopefully take it to another level. But it hasn't happened. It just it hasn't happened. And... I don't know about you, but at this point, for me, I think it's kind of over. I don't think they're going to make it to the wild card at all. There's still time for that to happen. 
I'm not a believer in this team. They haven't really shown me anything. But, Ed, give us your thoughts on the Seattle Mariners this year. Well, before I give you my thoughts, I just <laughs> you might find this interesting. Uh, I live in the Metroplex, uh, and I was listening to the Rangers pregame. And Mike Bassick, who's one, of, who's a local personality, former major league pitcher, he specifically brought up the Mariners and their struggles this year, and what are they going to do? Uh, which I thought was, which I thought was interesting that that uh, that the Mariners' fall is reaching this far. Yeah, they need yeah. to win to win ninety games for the third straight year. They need to win fifty-two. I think they need to go fifty-two and thirty-one which is a 620 winning percentage and I just don't I don't see it either. That and they have five teams four teams ahead of them to get to the uh, third wild card spot. That's that's a that's a big hole they've dug. Not impossible, certainly not. We've seen we've seen teams go on runs before, but that's a big hole. That's a really yeah. and they have no one to blame but themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean is more the blame on Depoto and the lack of you know offseason moves he made. Granted, in free agency, you have the player has to want to come there as well. So there's only so much you can do. But I mean, does is there need to be some more blame on Depoto maybe not being as aggressive in free agency, or is it simply just Seattle is kind of known as a pitcher's park and hitters there don't have the best offensive numbers typically compared to some other parks in the league, and so. Hitters are like, uh, no, thank you. I'll take a little bit less money and go somewhere else. Kind of makes you think they should have gone after Luis Arias in the offseason. They should have yep. made that trade with the Minnesota Twins. Yeah. Uh, you know, a couple, oh, I want, not a couple, 20 years ago, somebody had it in their head that uh, the Colorado Rockies would do better if they just had, a, if they had line drive gap hitters. Mm hmm. Because uh, the ball would obviously, you know, it, it's a home run park, but it probably also be it's also a really good doubles park. Well, yeah. I got it in my head that that uh, the Mariners play in a doubles park, <laughs> and you know, in an era where we're looking at launch angles and uh, exit velocities, there's something to be said for for guys who can put the ball in the gaps and get on base, and they just don't have it. They, it's that's not their thing, and you mentioned it. It's a pitcher's park, so uh, it gets to look like um, Pedro Serrano swinging at, uh, swing, trying to hacking at curveballs a lot of times. Yeah, Joe Boone needs to get his butt in gear and help out the Mariners' bats here. Um, so all right, so for the trade deadline, like I said, is coming up. Mariners, is there any indication? Are they going to be buyers? Are they going to be sellers? Maybe a little bit of both. We don't know. I wish I if I if I knew, I'd be sitting I'd be sitting in Jerry Depoto's office right now instead of him. I don't know because <laughs> it's kind of they're there but they're not there. I mean they're one big win streak away from putting themselves back into contention. Obviously, uh, winning ten winning ten or twelve games out of fifteen is not an easy feat. Right. But uh, but then all of a sudden they're back in. If they can win eighteen games in July, they're in it. So now, now is a hard thing to say that, or now is a hard time to say that they're going to, be, going to be sellers. Then again, what do they have to sell? Not a whole lot. Yeah, and that was going to be my next question. Like, if they are going to be selling, like, who are some names that you think could be moved to help 
turn this not necessarily turn this team around this year, but you know maybe next year or bolster the future, maybe specifically in the farm system since they just basically shipped off a large chunk of it to Cincinnati. Exactly. So it's not like there's a bunch of guys coming up or ready to take jobs, mm-hmm. but. Uh, you mentioned Teoscar Hernandez. I mean, he's a free agent at the end of the year. He's a rental for somebody. He could be a very good rental for somebody. Uh, a. Eugenio Suarez is, is another one. He's struggling at the plate right now, but we've seen what happens when he gets hot. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, and they're veterans. And if there was somebody willing to take Colton Wong or A.J. Pollock, they'd be traded by now. So, sure. uh, so um, and to get them traded, it may take more of uh, giving away a prospect that Jerry DePoto doesn't want to give away. Maybe mm-hmm. Dylan Moore, but he's only hitting 050 since coming back from his injury. So there's on the offensive side, and again, Tom Murphy's a backup catcher. Mm-hmm. He's not a huge markup for back, market for backup catchers. So what do they have to trade? The biggest yeah. chip they have, in my opinion, is maybe Paul Seawald. Okay. I mean... There's no secret. Come deadline, pitchers, relief pitchers as well are always in demand. Teams are always wanting to add to the rotation or add to the bullpen. So, yeah, Seawald, I think, could definitely have some value there for sure. Uh, a couple names I want to throw at you and just kind of get your thoughts on it because I'd be curious. We'll start with Andres Munoz. We all know he's got electric stuff, and his stuff is arguably better than Paul Seawald. Could Munoz go just because they could keep Seawall? They have him as kind of their closer, and Munoz might bring a bigger return than Seawall? I wouldn't do it. That's just, that's my opinion. I wouldn't do. No. I wouldn't do it. I think Munoz is the future. Um, yes. I mean, Seawall's in his early thirties, and again, we're talking about if if so if a contender is if the Mariners are out and a contender needs to bolster their bullpen. I think there's going to be a, a market for Paul Seawald. Uh, it's how close of a how close of a major league ready player will you get for him? Sure, is is the bigger is a bigger question. Same thing with Teoscar Hernandez. How close? You know, what what are people going to pay down the stretch? Like if Aaron Judge breaks down again, is that somebody the Yankees are interested in? Big power mm-hmm. hitter. So sure. it just depends on. I've always said a, a player's value is what is what you get back for him. Yeah. No, very true. Very true. Um, the other guy I want to mention is Jared Kelnick. He's obviously having a great season, and he's definitely put all of his you know, hype and talent together this year. Could the Mariners move him because they know him better? And the thing, my thinking with that would be this may just be a fluke season, and we'd rather cash in on him now because we've seen the last two years what he you know is more like – could this just be a like typical career year for Jared Kelnick, and then next year he's you know per, you know worse? Um, so they want him to get out from under like that now and get something of value. Oh, you mean like they didn't get for Chris Flexen? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Chris, he's hit he's hitting sub two hundred since mid May. Mm-hmm. So. He had a hot start, but he's cooled off dramatically. You know, he's dropped down to seventh right. in the batting order. So it's not like he's tearing it up and, you know, now's the time to deal him when he's hot because he's not. True. So I could see him more being part of a package than right. anything else. Uh, 
it's kind of up in it's kind of up in the air though. Uh, are they contenders? Are they not contenders? We we don't know for a good month. And if they're going to turn it around, they'll need Kelnick to do it. So it's kind of if we get into contention, then we and Kelnick's going to be a part of it. Then no way he's going. But if we're not in contention, it's probably because he's still tanking at the plate and nobody's going to want him. So it's kind of sure. a, a, a catch-22 on that one. Sure, sure. Um, going back, we talked about, like, you know, buyers, um, if they're buyers and everything. Um, if we, they do end up making a run and they are buyers, what areas do you see them adding to? I mean, the rotation is pretty solid with Castillo, Gilbert, Kirby, Miller. Wu's not been bad. Uh, Marco should be back, and that will help as well, too. But, you know, if all those guys are healthy, do they need more starting pitching rotation help? Or I, I would think, in my personal opinion, I don't think the Mariners' bullpen is as dominant as it was mm-hmm. before. And a lot of that, I, I believe, has to do with Eric Swanson. Uh, when he was part of the package that went for Teoscar Hernandez to Toronto, and he's mm-hmm. pitched well in Toronto. Uh but it's that bridge getting to your closer. And I thought uh, in the past they had two bridges to the closer. Last year yeah. they had two bridges to the closer. This year they have one bridge to the closer. It's it's Brash, Munoz, and Seawald. Yeah. So that one other guy who can pitch the eighth inning or seventh and eighth innings, that's, what, that's where I think they would add. I think they definitely need a designated hitter. Mm-hmm. Or they need a hitter. Um, <laughs> yeah, but they definitely need a designated hitter because uh, AJ Pollock is hasn't hasn't done the job. They have Mike Ford. Yeah, he's got uh, six home runs, but he's got three times as many strikeouts. So yeah, uh, it's it's bang for the buck. They're not paying him anything, but they're getting no bang. They're not getting the bang. Six home runs and nine RBI. Hard to, hard to fathom, but that right. just shows you about getting on base. And there's nobody on base ahead of him. No. So. So I mean, yeah, could, that's that's where I would that's where I would build up. I'd probably go for a DH and 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 another bridge to the to the ninth inning. What about second base? I mean, they obviously Colton Wong isn't doing what people were expecting. Uh, Jose Caballero, I really like him. I think he's having a good season. I don't know if he's a player that should be an everyday guy. Um, but, you know, I think he's gotten a lot of opportunity and he's, he's had success with it. So is second base still something that the Mariners should look to pursue or, you know, should the Mariners just go with Caballero and have Wong on, on the bench more? Well, and they also have Dylan Moore. Uh, so if one of those guys gets, gets hot, the league is catching up to Caballero, by the way, because now his batting average is in the 230s. Uh, okay. You know, the first, time, the first time you go through the league, you kind of you can kind of take advantage the second time right. they've already seen you and they know what you're about so they're kind of they kind of caught up to caballero but that doesn't mean that he won't adjust back right. uh, do i see him as a long-term second baseman no i don't think so i don't think jerry depoto does otherwise he wouldn't have gone out and gotten colton wong so true so no, I, I, no go ahead i was gonna say i did hear on one of the broadcasts that part of the reason um, when Caballero was having his hot success, the, 
maybe part of the reason they went out and got Colton Wong and Adam Frazier last year was because Caballero just kept getting hurt all the time. And so he's constantly like rehabbing and recovering and trying to get there. And so at this point, this, you know, at least this year, uh, DePoe's kind of like, okay, we can't really count or rely on him. So let's go out and get somebody. Now, of course, Caballero stays healthy and we saw what he did the first time through, you know, through the league. But, uh, you know, if he's able to make that adjustment, obviously they had some high thoughts on him beforehand. Like, could they still, you know, like, could they still be, could he be the guy or are we still going back to like, you know, let's have Caballero be a nice backup guy that we can kind of play up the middle, either filling in for J.P. Crawford at short or whoever the starter is at second base. I mean, ideally, I think if they had somebody better, then that guy would be playing. That, that guy would be there. Uh, but I, I, I think he's a better shortstop than Dylan Moore. I think he's a better defensive second baseman than Dylan Moore. And I think he's a pretty decent defensive third baseman. So, yeah, he's the kind of guy that you can move around the lineup. And we're in the era now where players get days off. So, I mean, in, you can play him. You could play Caballero second base two or three days a week give JP a rest, give the third baseman a rest. So he could play four or five days a week as a starter at different positions because he's that versatile. It's what they yeah. wanted to do with Dylan Moore. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I, I'm never a big fan of Moore. I did love his home run, uh, what was it, against Houston two years ago now. Um, it was the the game right after the whole Kendall Graveman, Graveman switching dugouts situation that drew a lot of uh, – a lot of irate Mariners fans and also ones on their side that were like, it makes sense because Graveman's having a great year and let's get something for him while we can. But um, I still love that Dylan Moore at bat. I thought it was wonderful. So I can't, I can't hate Dylan Moore too, too much. But um, he's not really been panning out, and I'm kind of done with him. If he, if he can go somewhere else, great. I hope he has success. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm over no more, no more, more for me. <laughs> no more. Well, uh, Sam Haggerty, you know, he hit close to 300 last year, and then he couldn't hit a buck and a half this year. So uh, he, I, you know, he would have taken that job, but he couldn't. He couldn't hold on to it. So, yeah, yep. maybe it's Caballero's job now to be the all-around guy. Maybe, yeah, could be, could be. All right, one other thing, you know, while we're going down this more kind of depressing Mariners talk here. Scott Service has been with the Mariners for a very long time. There's definitely a lot of fans out there who, when the Mariners are struggling, are always saying, get rid of DePoto, get rid of Scott Service. Um, some of those fans are just reactionary and getting caught up in their frustrations and everything like that. Some of them are legit more serious that they really don't like either one of those guys and when I'm gone. I've been kind of a big fan supporter of Service because for a long time he didn't have talent. So how can you expect him to win when you're not a very good team? Um, but, you know, after what they did last year and the expectations they had this season and the team basically falling on their face this year, might it be time for Scott Service to, you know, go? Might there be a, a change needed for who's talking to the players every day? Like, Ed, what are your thoughts on all of Scott Service related? Well, you know, our buddy Joe Swenson would say that the, uh, the Mariners are regressing toward the norm. That, that's something that that's something that he would say uh, yeah. it's um, it's a t- it's a tough one I mean he's not the guy standing up there at the plate hacking at everything uh, yeah. by the same token it all starts it starts with him in the dugout and what are the hit- what are the hitting coaches telling what are they saying 
I mean, are they working on launch angles and, and, and swing planes? Are they working on barrels or what are they? It seems to me that there's a, a the culture promotes big swings. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you got to get a single, a double and a walk. Yeah. To, to, to put yourself in an advantageous position. And yeah, that starts with, uh, that's going to start with Scott service. Uh, I do think he has earned himself some leeway after his performance the last two seasons. How much rope he has, that's up to his buddy Jerry DePoto. And uh, I, I happen to like Jerry DePoto. The one thing that he came, when he came, into the, came to the Mariners, he came with a plan. Yeah. To rebuild the organization, and he did. So mm-hmm. I, I will give him that. Uh, I don't think he's going anywhere for a while. Uh, Scott Service... If they if they wind up being three, four, five games under five hundred this year, he could be looking for a new job. Then again, yeah. that doesn't always work. Look at Buck Walter in New York. True. Uh, flip side is look at Bruce Bochy with the Texas Rangers and absolutely all the money that they spent, and I did not see that working out for them. But it is, and I guess good for Texas. I don't know. Kind of hard to root for a division, another division team. Uh, I, I, I agree. There, uh, people here are just as shocked as you are. <laughs> I mean, nobody thought they had the pit. Nobody thought they had the pitching. As a matter of fact, the Rangers would probably swap pitching staffs with the with the Mariners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I don't know. I didn't think I. I know we talked about it. And we're kind of joking about how the Rangers were spending money like the Angels do, and it never works out for the Angels and. Lo and behold, the Rangers apparently did it right because they're winning games and the Angels still on the outside looking in for for the playoffs this year, Um, which will be fun to see Shohei Otani and Mike Trout in that Angels era never make the playoffs at all. Having two of the greatest players to play the game and you still can't make the playoffs. I mean, it just goes to show that baseball is an absolute team sport. Otani is doing everything in his power. To get yeah. the angels there, uh, the only the only thing he hasn't the only thing he hasn't done is like cause natural disasters when the when the ball is in play. Uh, right. Two home runs and ten strikeouts as the pitcher, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, he's great. Um, I'm really fingers crossed that he decides to leave and hits the free agent market. And I'd love for him to say, you know what, guys, I made a mistake. Seattle's courting me earlier. I chose to go to L.A., um, but that was a big mistake. I should have gone to Seattle all along, and I'm going to move up the West Coast, up to Seattle, and team up with the the Mariners. Um, I know that's probably a long shot, but um, it's my dream. Well, I I could give you 600 million reasons why that might not happen. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah. Uh, if If I was handicapping it right now, I would think he'd move across town. Oh, go to Dodgers? Yep. Uh, that that if I was handicapping it right now, I would have the Dodgers as the favorite. Maybe the Angels and the Yankees as second favorite. Could you imagine a team with Otani and Aaron Judge? That'd be crazy. And they would spend it. Yeah, but would it get them a World Series? It might. Yeah, I mean that's all. For, when we're talking Yankees, it's always about World Series. Playoffs are great, but that's kind of like the norm. That's the way, yeah, we go and we punch the clock and we end up in the playoffs. Congratulations. But it's all about the rings. And, you know, uh, could Otani, Judge, and Stanton, and Cole, and Rodon effectively deliver a championship to the Yankees? I think they could. I also think that they 
could not. It's New York. Um, having grown up there, it's a pressure cooker. It yes. is a pre- it, it, it is a pre- you cannot do anything right. One time I asked Brian Cashman, who's the Yankees general manager, yeah, what's it like being the most second guest man in New York? <laughs> and he said that's the job. Uh huh. That's yeah. that's the job. Every, he's a, he's a, talk about a guy with no fear. I mean, mm-hmm. n- hey, look, we're trying to bring you a championship. We gambled on it. Ah, Giancarlo Stanton didn't work. If we wanted to eat, if we wanted to eat his contract, we could. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, the New York Yankees is a license to uh, is a license to print money. So, yeah. uh, but that would be one heck. That would be that would be something to see. That would really be something to see. Yeah, it would be. And at the same time, like I don't want to see it. I, I don't. I mean, I, growing up. In the 90s and everything, it was always Yankees in the World Series. Yankees winning a ton of World Series. Um, you know, for a brief, brief moment in time, I think maybe a couple of years, I apparently lost my mind. I was a Yankees fan. Um, <laughs> and, you know, then I came to my senses. It was, I, I would say the time, this isn't the exact timeline, but my dad is from, uh, is from New York. Uh, he's a lifelong Mets fan. And um, I remember. One of the times they were doing the Subway Series in the regular season, Mets-Yankees and everything like that, um, the Mets had a good team. And I remember cheering against my dad uh, as, the Yan- as a Yankees fan. Uh, and I'd say soon after that, I was like, man, I was like, I just cheered against my dad. Like, I don't feel good about that. And so like, I think that's when I finally woke up. I was like, why am I a Yankees fan? Like, why am I rooting for the Yankees? Like, let's go back to being my Mariners fandom and everything like that. Like, yes, they haven't won a World Series, but – I at least feel good about rooting for a team that's trying as opposed to a team that's like, oh, yeah, what? how much money do you need to come play here because you're going to get a title? Like, just, uh, yeah. Chris, let me turn this around on you because it's something I've always wanted to know. How did you become a Mariners fan? Oh, okay. Um, so I get asked this question a lot, and um, it's kind of an interesting story. So, like I said, my parents – are from New York. My mom born and raised there. My dad actually born here in Beach Grove, Indiana, and then the family moved back to New York. And so he grew up there. Um, and grandma was in town. She, you know, visiting us and everything like that. And grandpa always ate Wheaties back in the day. And so for the most part, I was a big Cheerios cereal eater kid. And um, but when Grandpa come down, we always make sure he had his Wheaties and everything like that. And so we bought a box of Wheaties for him. And of course, like he's not going to eat the entire box the whole time he's there. So like I had some mixed in with my Cheerios and stuff. And so back when cereal boxes did promos for sports and stuff like that, specifically when Wheaties was doing that, they had a um, like a giveaway with the prize in the box, and it was four different players um, that you get a little poster. Um, in there, and one of them was Daryl Strawberry, who's the guy I wanted because as a kid, I like strawberries. The guy's last name is <laughs> Strawberry. He also happens to be a really good player. Uh, I think he was playing for the Mets at the time. Yes. Um, so I was like, yes. I was like, that's the guy that I want. I was like, I want a Daryl Strawberry poster. I ended up with a Ken Griffey Jr. poster, um, and at the bottom of it, it said Kid Kid Dynamite, and it had a big explosion in the background with Junior's perfect swing and everything in there. Um, and so I hung it up. I was disappointed um, that I didn't get Daryl Strawberry, but I still hung it up anyways. And, you know, so I'd look at it every day and it's like, okay, it was like Seattle Mariners and um, ended up getting into baseball cards and not knowing what I'm doing with baseball cards. I had a, 
not a rookie Ken Griffey Jr. baseball card, but like an early on edition, like a Ken Griffey Jr. baseball card. And I made an awful trade with somebody in my neighborhood growing up, and he got that card, and I didn't. And I'm looking back, and I'm like, God, that card was actually probably going to be worth a lot of money. And I think I gave it away for, like, we'll just say, like, a pack of bubble gum, basically. It was like, <laughs> that was the like, worst deal ever. Um, but that, you know, those kind of started the seeds of being planted, of being a Mariners fan. Obviously, the Ken Griffey Jr. baseball game came out played that always played with the Seattle Mariners and that's really what took it off um and so I've really been a Seattle Mariners fan ever since and just you know so we're talking like mid to late 90s is when I became a Seattle Mariners fan obviously Ken Griffey Jr. was the biggest draw for me um I really tried to change my swing to be the right-handed version of Griffey's left-handed version um, it's still def- righty version of it is not anywhere as picture perfect or sweet as the lefty version, but uh, <laughs> that's really how I got started with being a Mariners fan and following them. Uh, and I'll admit it was hard back in the day because we didn't get games on TV. Obviously, they weren't playing nationally a lot, um, so it was mainly just looking in the paper for box scores. Um, that was the best way to keep up with them. And then um, as the internet grew and appeared and evolved and everything like that, became a little bit easier. So, um, and then playing fantasy sports, specifically fantasy baseball, I always spent an early, early pick on getting Griffey Jr. So he was on my team every year. Um, didn't matter. I was like, I, I cannot leave a draft without him on my team. I don't care how good my team is. He has to be on my team. So, um, yeah, that's how I became a Seattle Mariners fan. Wow. That's a good story, Chris. That's a really good story. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. All right, so let's go back. All-Star break. Uh, we can't end the show on depressing baseball talk, despite my great story I just shared. Um, <laughs> All-Star break back in Seattle. Um, what other festivities or cool things have you heard about that's going on with the Mariners or just other things All-Star related? Like, it's all well, the Mariners are going to pull out all the stops, obviously, because this is a showcase. Yeah. So they're going to the Mariners are going to pull out all the stops. It's going to be if you're there, it's going to be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if you've ever been to an All Star game. I haven't been to an All Star game. I've been to a lot of nope. big events, but not an All Star game. So yeah. uh, they're going to they're going to pull out all the stops. Aside from the futures game, you've got the celebrity softball game. You know, and the Mariners have there. There are some celebrities that are from the area that are big Mariners fans. Uh, could be Jim Caviezel. Um, could be guys from Alice in Chains. Uh, okay. Could be uh, could be Chris Pratt. You know, okay. and, and it's and hey, he was in Moneyball. So sure. I mean, I'm sure he's got a. I'm sure he's got some game. I'm yeah. sure he's got some game. Uh, so there's there's going to be. I think there's going to be a good local flavor to it. I don't. I don't think we're going to see Nancy Wilson go out there from from Hart and go out and pitch, but I think there's going to be. I, I think there's going to be some stars. I wouldn't even be surprised to see um, to see some of the Seahawks okay. in the in, in the in the game. Uh, I'm not committing to that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't think he'd be received very well. If he if he was still with if he was still with the Seahawks. Definitely, but yeah. uh, you know, I could I could see someone like Geno Smith or Bobby Wagner or or, or something like that. I, I I think that's going to be a lot. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. And some of the things that surround these events, 
from going to from being around Super Bowls and what have you. You've got card shows. You've got autograph signings. You've got promotional events. I'm sure people who show up to the Home Run Derby are going to be leaving with a small thing of Tide, uh, coupons to a restaurant. I mean, there's just stuff that goes on around these events that are just the whole city comes alive and it'll be a good showcase for Seattle. Yeah. And actually speaking about Seattle and pulling out all the stops and everything, there was a report that you shared with me about Portland potentially being a city to get a major league baseball team, right? Yes. Uh, John Canzano, who, uh, if you, and I'll, I'll, I'm happy to plug his site, johncanzano.com. He and John Wilner uh, of the Bay Area News Group are the the deans of uh, of covering the Pac-12, but Canzano's uh, a, a an Oregon guy, and uh, he's been doing research. And the Diamond, I think it's called the Portland Diamond Group, is really going going for it. Major League says they want to go to 32 teams once they get the Oakland situations settled, etc. So Portland, they need a team in the West. It's either going to be Portland or Salt Lake City. And it's more of a, an issue, I think, with Portland is if they have plans to get a ballpark built, I think they'll get a team. And that'd be a great rival, great natural rival for, for the Seattle Mariners. Absolutely. That'd be cool I, to see, see, for sure. Right up I-5. Okay. Excellent. I mean, it's, it's a three-hour three, three, three drive, depending on traffic. But uh, having lived in Portland and gone to Seattle several times, it's a it's a it's a it's a nice trip. But I think that would be one heck of a heck of a rivalry. Okay. All right. Well, Ed, thank you again for coming on. Um, at this point, you know, give a little self publicity here. Tell people where they can find you, what you're working on next, all that good stuff. Uh, well, we're at Pacific Northwest Sports or PacificNWSports.com. Again, we cover uh, all the we cover all the big teams in the area. Uh, if you like football, we cover this. We cover the Seahawks hard. If you li- and Chris can attest to that, he's often given his opinion on the Seahawks. Um, <laughs> we we make sure that we we do a lot with the Mariners. We do a lot with uh, we do a lot with the Trailblazers. Uh, we're getting to do more with the Kraken. It's de- it's a developing situation, yeah. and then the uh, the college sports. It's Hey, they call the University of Washington football the greatest setting, the stadium there, Husky Stadium, the greatest setting in college football, and it yep. is. And there are some there are some big time fans there, uh, and, and we're not uh, we're not taking nothing away from Washington State because they have a great fan base as well on the Palouse. But we cover both those teams also. We cover the Pac-12. Uh, we have jump a few other things in there but we cover we cover the teams in our area we cover the teams in our area and we we try real hard to give the best analysis and opinions out there you can read you can read box scores anywhere you can't read what someone like chris phillips thinks (laughs) in a box score very true very true yes yeah absolutely so, all right. Well, Ed, thank you again for so much for coming on. This is Ed Stein, the CEO, creator, founder, uh, and godfather of PacificNorthwestSports.com. Uh, truly wonderful guy. He's very 
you know, for those who are interested in getting into this field, um, reach out to him if you're interested. Um, he's going to be a great teacher, great mentor, get you started. Uh, I owe a lot to him, and so really appreciative of him being here and joining us, and really, really appreciative of him helping me get started on on this wonderful new uh, career, we'll call it here. So um, for all our fans out there, thank you for listening. Again, check us out on YouTube. Check us out on uh, anywhere you can get podcasts or shows or radio like Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts, all those good places. Uh, give us a like, give us a share, tell your friends about us, you know, spread the word, not just a you know, replacement level podcast, but also again, Ed site, Pacific Northwest Sports, give them a look through. They do really good work in covering a area of the country who doesn't get a lot of publicity or notoriety, but there's a lot of good teams up there. There's a lot of good writers up there. And again, thank you, Ed, so much for joining us. And we will see you all next week.